everyone. Welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I'm Katie Nakamura-Ringer, Staff Officer for Church Planting with the Episcopal Church. And in this podcast, we tell the stories of our new Episcopal communities, the good, the bad, the hard, the ugly, and the wisdom they have to share with the wider church. Father Matt Ainsley caught my attention last year when he sent me an email that contained this quote about his vision for All Souls Church Plant in Central Florida. We need a critical mass and a place to amass in order to celebrate the mass. Yes, All Souls is a high church, Anglo-Catholic church plant. It's been a rough first year. They launched literally four months before the start of the pandemic. And if you're familiar at all with church planting, it's really hard to gather people toward a new Episcopal community when gathering is the one thing you can't do. You're going to hear Matt and Jonathan reflect on how the pandemic has shaped them as leaders, as theologians, and how it's shaped all souls as a new church. Often the stories we share in this Genesis podcast start with a church planter who has this vision to do church in a totally new and untraditional way. This story is obviously quite different, but it leaves me with a sense that traditional versus non-traditional It's just not an either or. I'm Father Matt Ainsley. I'm the prospective vicar of All Souls Episcopal Church, which is a church plant in Horizon West, Florida, which is a new-ish community in Southwest Orange County. No one will know what that means, but it's really close to Disney World. I know most people will know what that means. And I was... Uh, for five years, uh, an assistant priest at Church of the Ascension in Orlando, Florida, and itself was a church plant going back to 1980. It was planted by the Church of the Messiah, which is the church that we're sitting in right now. We like to call Church of the Messiah our our grandma (laughs) because she planted the church that planted us. And a little bit like Jonah, I reluctantly uh, agreed to go where Uh, the Lord was calling me and we had our first service. It was a great time to plant a church right before 2020, which was such an easy year for for everyone, but especially for churches. Uh, A little sarcasm there. We had our first service on November 3rd, 2019, and we've gone through. And so far the Lord has sustained us and we are still here. And so, uh, Rejoicing in the miracle that I can say that we're still here after um, all that uh, we had to deal with and not, again, it's not particular to us. Um, Everyone had to deal with it. Uh, But, you know, not the ideal uh, first year, but what I've told the congregation is um, (laughs) we got our worst year out of the way first. So you're going to have bad years as a church. So we, we just did it first. We did the toughest year first and Hopefully uh, it'll it'll be smooth sailing from here. And when you were, uh, I mean, when you were serving in Baptist contexts or when you were at Neshota House, did you imagine that church planting was in your future? Or is this something that sprang up as something that interested you later? Well, church planting had been in my past. I'd been a part of a non-denominational church plant. And uh, if you would have asked me, uh, I don't know, even two years ago, I would have said that I wanted to keep church planting in my past, Uh, but the the Lord had other plans. So the short answer to your question is is no. I I wasn't thinking about church planting at all. 
I was, um, I think in a, in a pretty good, if not cushy position as an assistant, kind of, okay, what's, uh, what's the next thing going to be? And then, um, the Lord made it obvious, uh, through many different people and circumstances that this is what, uh, I was supposed to do and to, to lead this mission. Uh, and then once that became apparent, once I surrendered to that, then I got really excited about it. And it's been, it's been awesome. There's really nothing else uh, I would, I would want to be doing. It's been such a exciting journey. We were in a Shota house when I, when I went up there, it was like the best experience ever because I have all these stereotypes of Nashota house as I have of all the seminaries and they lived Perfect. into it. My Uber pulled up and there were guys in the Berettas sure. like playing ultimate Frisbee. Yeah. It, it's it's what kind of Hogwarts plus Jesus a little bit. Yes. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jonathan McClintock. I got to know Matt about eight years ago through my wife. So I knew Matt as a friend first and uh, I actually, I think, caught Matt uh, as he was cresting the hill of his journey towards the Anglican tradition. And uh, I kind of uh, followed him. Uh, he was gracious enough to uh, a- a- answer questions that I had when I had questions. And I, and I think I brought him probably all the classic uh, Protestant questions that uh, one would have brought uh, someone who really didn't know uh, anything about liturgy or the sacraments or anything like that. So Matt's been very gracious there. And over the past, uh, I would say, year, year and a half, um, some of my passions in life uh, that, I, that I'd had for 25 or so years in, in teaching and coaching have kind of uh, taken their course. And, and some of those are diminishing while others, specifically, uh, a love for reading the fathers and reading about church tradition and the history of the church. And uh, just recently, um, I began the process of discernment for ordination for the priesthood. And uh, Matt's given me the opportunity to, to serve at All Souls. And, and since we're still in Corona Tide, um, I've got to do a lot of things. You know, I, I think my biggest experience is that you know, I've grown up a Christian. I was in the non-denominational world my whole Christian life. And when I encountered the fathers for the first time, it felt like I was being introduced to an uncle that I never knew I had, family members in the faith that I, I didn't know I had. And I felt kind of robbed that I, I never uh, was introduced to Uncle Irenaeus or Uncle Augustine or, you know, I, I'm inspired by their lives. Um, and my, my, uh, the richness of the faith coming out in their writings and understanding that, uh, I can find what I believe in the first century guys who knew guys who knew Jesus. So no, I'm now straying from questions that I put in my email. But I'm just so interested because one of the themes I'm picking up from several different strands of what you both said is this theme of talking about the church as almost like family, like you're sitting in your grandmother church and talking about um, reading the writings of the church, the church fathers, but also kind of how um, 
I don't know, like I'm, I'm sensing like this deep seated connection of, of church, church as, as, as this long extended family. One thing I, I think that really, um, led me to where I'm at now and something that I am cognizant of um, every single time um, I celebrate the Eucharist and something that I am make a point to bring before the people in church um, is that, you know, what we say in the Eucharist, how profound it is, therefore with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven and that we, we don't just um, imitate the worship of heaven, but we actually join it and that the dead in Christ are active in the life of the church. That, that sense of the family of God uh, made present to us and us to them, and that we're a part of something uh, really special and important and transcendent. Uh, that just has so much magic for me, um, for lack of a better word, uh, in a time where I, I think living in a world that, that's sort of dominated by materialism and uh, computers and machinations. And um, it can be, that imbues us with a sense of, that we really kind of lack uh, meaning or purpose. And the gospel reminds us that that's not true at all. And the worship of the church is ethereal. It's, it's otherworldly, but it, at the same time, it reminds us what's true about this present world. I think a strong ecclesiology and recognizing that God is active uh, here and now, and that the same God that um, empowered and indwelt uh, the people we read about in the Bible and the church fathers and mothers, That's the same God that's at work in us here and now. It it makes it more present instead of, oh, wasn't that, wasn't that great back way back when, when God actually did stuff? (laughs) I mean, that's, that's just, that can also, that can be discouraging. And I think that's a big disconnect for a lot of people. I'm, I'm rambling now, but that's why I'm encouraged by, I think if you read the Bible carefully, you know, with the exception of like, Mary, (laughs) everyone is, for the most part, deeply flawed and very human. And if you were trying to sell a religion, there's all sorts of stuff in the Bible that you wouldn't put in there because it doesn't, it's, it's not therapeutic, but, but for me it is. And for a lot of people, because I can, I can identify with, being flawed and broken and being a work in progress. On March 16th, where basically the world, the world shut down, you know, White House press conferences. And I, it was funny. I remember, because um, that was a Monday, the Sunday before March 15th, I remember just kind of lackadaisically saying to the people during announcements, like, yeah, this coronavirus thing, I don't know if anyone's worried about it. And, 
ah. And then, you know, within less than 24 hours, I'm pretty much made a fool because it, 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 changed, it changed our, our society overnight and what we're doing as a church. And so we had to scramble to figure out what we were going to do. And we ended up going over to this other Episcopal church, a friend of mine, and he has a little historic chapel. And so we, we set up and film. And there's just this commitment that, um, yeah, even though we couldn't have in-person worship and we'd go and we'd record these services on Saturday uh, and just this sense, we're going to do this and we're, we're going to worship the Lord and the mass is going to be offered uh, no matter what. And thinking about uh, the scriptures and the liturgy and the worship of the church and kind of taking and some of it, I think goes back to the communion of the saints. It's like the church has seen it all. And long before I was born, the church of Jesus Christ soldiered on through pestilence and famine and disease and war. And I don't know, I just got the sense out of all those weeks of doing what we were doing, that there was a stability that I think we got from, from doing that, that, yeah, the church has seen this before. And you know what? This is going to continue long after we're gone. And this is bigger than all of us. And it's right now it, it feels fragile, <laughs> like the wheels could come off and everything could fall apart. But it really isn't. I can only control what I can control. And the biggest thing I can control is my own actions. And I have to be faithful and leave the results up to God. And so I, I just think back over this, over the time that All Souls has been in existence, which isn't very long, just over a year, and especially through coronavirus, just the, the faithfulness of God that uh, the people, um, it's a miracle they stayed engaged at all. Because, you know, I would go back and watch the services, just watching a service online, this is my opinion, some might disagree. It's not that engaging. And if you have small children, it's pretty much impossible. You know, you're pausing it like 400 times, which I guess it's a good thing that you can pause it. And they're, they're immediately bored. They're like, Dad, you know, your sermon's boring, and they want to run off and do something else. It's like, all right, we can take this. We try to get the service to like 35, 40 minutes, you know, when we were recording. I'd edit them down so people don't, you know, watch me set up the altar. They don't need to watch me do ablutions. That's not very edifying on an online service. Um, but the, pe the people stayed engaged, thanks be to God, and continued to serve in whatever capacity they could could and to give and to support the work of the church and, and stay positive that that's been really encouraging if all souls crashes and burns it, it won't be because we didn't trust the lord and follow him because he has something else for us you know i uh i think about the days when we were doing online stuff and uh those days are i think are going to be really dear to me because we kind of fell into a, a pattern 
where Matt and I would eat Wendy's. And that, that was really boring. I was happy to spend that. I think it was like 10 bucks total for the two of us. I was happy to do that. Well, that, that, I thought that's what people got paid when they were in ministry. And I thought I was all in because <laughs> Wendy's cheeseburger and fries, I was, I was loving that. So we, we would have fellowship there and just talk about nerdy theological stuff, which is an outlet for me. I, I hope that's an outlet for Matt too, but I enjoyed the heck out of that. And then uh, we and our music minister, Eric, would do the service and there began to be kind of, I think, a bond there that was formed during those times. And I almost miss those times. I mean, I have seen Father Bumstead uh, a couple times since. And, and the only thing that always comes to my mind is, gosh, I miss uh, us four uh, just being able to chat and um, without real time constraints and things like that. Those times are really sweet. And I think I'll probably find them uh, formational as I look back. But uh, I think Matt, Father Matt, did a great job during that time of walking by faith and not by sight. I think uh, when, you're, <laughs> when you're preaching to two people, and those two people were in the service, but now, uh, like in a little pause of the video, we ran out into the uh, <laughs> into the pews so Matt could see a face, some face, when he was preaching. Uh, when you're preaching to two people, and you know how the human mind works when you don't know exactly what's going on, your mind manufactures all sorts of stuff about what could be going on, uh, whether people are, you know, still thinking faithfully about all souls or not. I mean, there are all sorts of questions that could come up in your mind, but Matt was very steady. And I think uh, if you were to walk by sight, you could have been very disappointed and discouraged about the online time. Uh, but I think he walked by faith. Uh, the people are back. And, and I think they were always there. Uh, you just couldn't see them. I think I'll just, I think I'll always value the awkward times that we got to spend together by necessity, God was even doing things in those times uh, that he might not have, uh, that not, might not have happened otherwise. So uh, those are special times, even though we probably don't want to go back and necessarily relive them exactly like that. They're still, still going to be special to me. I mean, I feel like our, the church, the denomination has gone through so much, but every denomination has gone through so much during this COVID, every church, right? Yes. Um, we're also in this, the middle of this, political craziness um sure. they're just just like just this weird time um i don't know what like what are the what would you prophesy right to the rest of the church what's like the message of hope that you feel like you've been given that you would just you just want to say to the wider you know body of christians or the wider episcopal church i think maybe the conversation is coming uh full circle um just realizing as the church of Jesus Christ, uh, what it is um, that we're a part of and what it is uh, that we have in Jesus Christ and um, God's faithfulness in the past gives us hope. It gives us confidence that God is going to continue to be faithful in the future. And we see this in scripture all the time. We see this in the Psalms where 
the psalmist will be recounting God's deeds and his faithfulness. And that's to bolster faith in the present and hope for the future. And um, I don't know. I mean, who am I? But if it were my congregation and if the rest of the church wanted to listen in on it, be like, yeah, you know, if we, if we look as cheesy as this is, if we just look around at what's going on in the world and our, and our sense of stability comes from the events of the day, we're not going to have any stability at all. Um, we, ha- we have to look up and we have to look, um, like the way forward is backwards, which I think T.S. Eliot said that way better. He talks about like traveling and then like coming back and discovering like where you started a fresh and anew. And so we just have to continue to like hold fast to the faith delivered once for all to the saints and realize that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, these circumstances in which we find ourselves, I'm not trying to say that it's nothing or that we should just um, brush them off in some sort of Pollyannish way of like, everything's going to be great, but um, there's nothing new under the sun. And we do have hope for the future. All shall be well, all manner of things shall be well. And we, we have to be anchored in the hope that we have this past year. It should be. And even what's like you're saying, what's happening at present should be a reminder that, man, if you put your trust in the proverbial horses and chariots and in the kings of this earth, if that's what your hope is in, then especially right now, I think you're going to be pretty hopeless. But if you put your hope in Jesus Christ, and if you um, control what you can control and try to be the best follower of Jesus Christ and an example to others and, and, and encouraging them and, and trying to uh, be, in, be in relationships where you're mutually encouraging one another's faith, then you can find a way forward and you can live a meaningful life with with purpose and uh you don't have to have your actions dictated by the world around you you're reminding me of that line in the easter vigil right let us um hear the record of god's saving deeds in history yes yeah it's it's not just like a banal history lesson of of yeah this is what god did and like here here we are in 2021 and Oh man, I kind of wish we were back there. It's 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 meant to remind us that the God who did all those things is the God that we serve and, and who is with us and who loves us. And God is active now. So I'm not Anglo-Catholic, and my own church plant, the Abbey, was about as far a cry from all souls as you can possibly get. And yet there is something about Matt and Jonathan's words, especially the ones about God's faithfulness and our unseen connection with the entire communion of saints that I really needed to hear today. I hope it's left you curious and wondering as well. And now we're going to close with a song that Jennifer Hartzell wrote in celebration of church planters of all kinds everywhere.
church gets flipped turned upside down we gotta go out and sow some seeds some land in the rocks and some in the weeds is a risky job but it's the lord's will there are hearts out there that need to be fed let's build a church in a coffee shop let's build a church let's make it work and never stop love is something we share with piece of cake but follow the lord and the word and let's make a place for everyone safe and sound with charity and love 